0: Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Hey gang. Today, it's time for more free stuff from a Curious Creatures workshop. Tess and I created the workshop, Opening Up to Opening Up, as a deep dive into the world of non-monogamy. We've had a think about which bits might be interesting here on the podcast, and we'd like to share with you the chapters on myth-busting, agreements, and jealousy, that old chestnut. A lot of this stuff is relevant to all relationship styles, not just non-monogamous ones. And if you're not poly, it'll certainly give you a little more insight into what goes on in this world. These recordings are taken from the pre-recorded version of Opening Up to Opening Up, a link to which is in the show notes. The next in-person version is in Melbourne, on, in Australia, on October the 31st, 2021. Again, links in the show notes. Next chapter, is busting Hey. So for this section, we are just going to bust some common myths that are out there around uh, non-monogamy. So, uh, Tess... First myth.
1: Myth number one: Being poly means you have sex with anyone, and you're going to try and steal my partner. So, uh, no, uh, that's not that's 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 a bad ethics thing. That's not a non-monogamy thing. So it's not the label that a person sits under that is going to make them act unethically. It's the ethics of the person. So they're not related.
0: Great. Uh, Myth number two is that people are into non-monogamy because they have commitment issues, and the idea there is that if they could just be more properly in relationship and commit, then, of course, they would wind up monogamous. Um, Not the case. Uh, You can have commitment issues no matter what relationship model you are in. Uh, if you remember back to the relationship pyramid we spoke about before in non-monogamy if you only ever have people right down at the sort of the bottom level there and they never escalate up to being more substantial partners then perhaps you could consider that uh, Mm. a a lack of commitment but in monogamy um, you get the same problem where people tend to have Relatively short-term relationships and short gaps between relationships, Um, there's commitment issues there as well. So, no, uh, non-monogamy is not a sign of inability to commit. Uh, Tess, myth number three? Mm,
1: Myth number three. Outside involvements decrease intimacy in the original relationship. So I'm going to involve you in a hypothetical relationship situation. I hope that's okay. So, Rog? You have, we're dating, and you have just started to see this beautiful, one of the beautiful creatures in front of the camera on the other side. Nice. Um, And so, you know, I may assume that that means less quality of a relationship for us, but that's actually not the case at all. So there's a saying. So more for you does not necessarily mean less for me. Yeah. And so, what might happen is it might mean a little less time together, but it doesn't necessarily change the quality of the time at all. So um, it actually could increase the quality of our relationship because we have more more we appreciate our time together
0: more. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it could be the total opposite. And there's a common experience people have. When they're with someone else, of realizing just how much they love and appreciate their other partner or whatever for, uh, for whatever reason for the freedom.
1: Yeah, I think this myth stems from the theory that there's out of the seven billion people on the planet or the eight billion now that there's one person for everybody. God, the odds. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I think it comes from that. We just like totally. I'm so yep. sorry if you. Yeah, I'm yep. sorry if you feel
0: uh, soulmate shamed. I apologize. <laughs> Myth number four is that um, that within uh, non-monogamy, you'll anyway eventually settle down and just sort of have one main partner and then maybe see other people. Um, Yeah, like some do, some don't. Um, That model works really well for people. Like speaking personally, I've had times where I've had one very much main partner and then... um, um sort of much more distant other partners but i've also been in times where i've had two partners um, both extremely important to me um both incredibly meaningful um and uh yeah so there's there's no particular right or wrong model but i would say no it is definitely not an assumption that you will eventually sort of wind up with one main partner and a couple of other less important dates
1: I mean, some people do, and it works yeah. right for them, but some people don't. It's Again, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all set in stone.
0: Yeah. Good luck finding the model that's right for you. Mm. Uh, myth number five.
1: Myth number five. I can't do non-monogamy because I'll get jealous. Um, well, firstly, jealousy is a human emotion that most people experience. Um, anyone can get jealous. No matter what the relationship dynamic, think about maybe you've been jealous of a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or a family member. Um, you don't have to be non-monogamous to experience jealousy, or even just relationship jealousy in monogamous relationships too. You know, perhaps you're you're jealous of um, a partner's relationship to someone else. Um, it's it's not specific to non monogamy, and yes, people do experience jealousy in non monogamy, but mm. they also experience it in monogamy. Um, so again, uh, jealousy is a it's it's just human, and also it's how you use it. Jealousy is an extremely powerful tool to understand what you want and 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 how things can be better for you, and we totally dive into that later in the course.
0: Hmm. Uh, myth number six is that if you're in some kind of an open relationship, then you will get uh, an STI, a sexually transmissible infection. Um, <laughs> there's a degree of truth in this, in that uh, the more people you are sexually engaged with, um, the more risks you are exposed to, Um Uh, obviously the least risky option is no sex at all with anyone and quite close to that is if you are in a genuinely monogamous relationship with just one person. Mm. Um, It's true everything beyond that is more risky but the biggest um, indicator there of how that's going to play out is um, your knowledge of STIs and your practice of, of STIs and you don't need to undertake a massive course in sexual health to um, get your head around some basics. What you'll find within the non-monogamy communities is that there's actually, in general, not always the case, but in general, a very good knowledge of um, sexual health practices, um, good testing rates and good practices, and that is just by far the biggest indicator um, of uh, what your risks are likely to be. So it's about acknowledging the risks that are there and then putting mitigations into place. Uh, Myth number seven.
1: One one person should be able to serve all of your needs for life. I mean, I don't really feel that that's a very fair expectation to put on someone. That's a lot of pressure. Um, And we we have different needs throughout our life, and our needs change, but we also have our needs fulfilled by many people in our lives. So I'm going to use, you know, again, friends, family, Pets, partners, like our needs get uh, can get filled in many different ways by many different people. Um, also, if someone is existing to primarily fulfill your needs, um, that that's a full time job. Um, they're not going to be able to fill their own needs because they're going to be adapting their person and emotions and and everything in their life to follow you or this this hypothetical person because our needs are always changing. Um, and if they can't be true to themselves and they're for themselves, how are they going to be true when they're for you? Um, so, again, it's, you know, take thinking about what needs do you have and who can fill them. I had a, I had a partner that fulfilled my my cricket needs. I would go to the MCG, their yeah. Melbourne Cricket Ground, and we would, you know, drink beer and watch the cricket.
0: No, no, like, no. Not, a,
1: <laughs> not a sports person at all. <laughs> Yeah. It was great, you know, and I was like, Yeah, I really, really wanted to do love you. But um I really needed someone in my life that I could just, you know, go to the cricket with.
0: I can't tell you what a relief it is to not have to meet that particular need. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, not monogamy. Yeah. So yeah. um, you know, just yeah. It's not it's not up to one person. There's many many people who can do many things in your life. Myth number eight. Uh mm-hmm. huh.
0: Is that it's bad for children for kids to be exposed to things like open relationships or uh, ethical non-monogamy to that I would say kids are spectacular at accepting multiple adult role models in their life Uh, they have absolutely no problem wrapping their head around that they're just like great more people to play with hang out with inspire me um, give me attention etc and if you look back in time a little bit, um, for most of the time that humans have been evolving, we've been in ex- large extended families or small communities. You've mm. heard the phrase "It takes a community to raise a child." Um, history is actually on the on the side of complicated interesting large sprawling models of uh parenting the nuclear family model with you know just two parents whatever in this uh, isolated in the suburbs um that's a very radical recent experiment and you know i'm not going to weigh in and say whether i think that that's a good or a bad experiment let's just say that it's a recent experiment so i think the kid part of the equation is fine what i think you do need to look out for is how other kids and the parents of other kids are going to talk about your situation if they know about it. So teasing and gossip and bullying in the schoolyard is a very real thing. And because there's so much slut shaming going on and people don't understand around open relationships, I think that parents need to be very mindful and careful about how they approach that part of it. But Mm. the basic situation, um, kids love it. Yeah. Yeah. Myth number nine. Last myth.
1: I tried non-monogamy once and it didn't work, so that proves that it doesn't work at all. Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, So does that mean, because I know know a monogamous couple that broke up once. No. So does that mean that monogamy doesn't work at all?
0: Oh, wow, that really... (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. No. 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 And and hey, look. You know, like maybe you, some people have tried non-monogamy and it wasn't right for them. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, totally. Because for some people, monogamy is absolutely perfect, but it might not be the only reason. You know, sometimes two people just don't want to be in relationship. You know, there are many people who are not compatible. Um, so again, it's it's about it's about the person usually. Um, rather than the label, um, yeah, people change. There's so many of us, and we're all different. It's like, the, of course, some of us aren't going to be, you know, ideal to be in relationship together. Mm. So, um, yeah, like it, monogamy is, you know, it could be a preference for some people, or maybe, you know, oh yeah, okay, turns out, turns out you're racist. I don't want to be with you. Yeah, maybe mm. you don't like cricket.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, mm. mythbuster. Super. Myth busted, and that's all the myths busted. So that's great that there's no longer any myths around uh, non-monogamy.
1: Our job is done. Done. (laughs) See you on the next
0: next chapter, agreements.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back, and welcome to the agreements section. I'll be speaking for maybe five to ten minutes, and then you will be doing a uh, what a what a surprise, an inner work exercise in the workbook. I know that I have touched on agreements before in the five-step uh, process to explore navigating different relationship models and opening up if you're newer to non-monogamy, but I will just repeat this definition that Roger and I have created. Um, yeah, I'll just read that out now. So agreements can be described as boundaries around how you conduct yourself in relationship and that all parties have consented to. Agreements are to be adhered to, however, over time are likely to be reviewed and changed. We recommend that you review and change. Um, agreements exist to support relationships over time, not to restrict them. And that's the, that's, uh, if you're going to take home anything from this section, please know that this is, that that's the gold. Like we don't want agreements our uh, agreements to, be the thing that makes relationships difficult we want them to be the things that makes it easier boundaries can make us freer Woo-hoo. okay so it's probably true that all relationships have agreements uh, that could be romantic relationships sexual relationships social relationships work relationships there are often rules and conditions that exist so even the most wild relationship anarchists pointing at me um, are still likely to have some agreements around things like safer sex and you know turning up on time for a date and being being treated respectfully things like that and for monogamous couples um the agreement generally is uh obviously don't have sex with other people so agreements exist uh, very intentionally, or you know in the background assumptively i 'd say for every single relationship dyma- dynamic that exists, now I say, watch out for the trap of using agreements to navigate jealousy as a cover for jealousy, so the way that this can play out is um, say person a is feeling a bit jealous or is struggling with something. Um, say when person B, I'll just say like my, one of my partners is staying out overnight with a new partner and I have feelings of insecurity and I, I'm not handling it very well. So then as a way to, I'm just going to say, maybe a little unethically use an agreement would be, right, I want to have a new agreement, no sleepovers with that person. And we will be deep diving into jealousy very shortly in ways that we can process that and understand what that means. However, um, that doesn't quite fit in with that banner of that's not very supportive. It's more restrictive in that relationship. So just be really mindful on, you know, thinking about what agreements do I want, but why do I want them? um okay and so we're all responsible for maintaining and adhering to agreements so it's not up to just one person in the relationship so what I mean by that is uh say um I in my hypothetical partner world have an agreement that it's like okay you need to be home by 8 p.m um after your daytime dates so that you can help me put the kids to bed and um that's an agreement and so if the person say my partner comes home at 8 15 and i don't say anything because it's my responsibility as well as their responsibility if i don't say anything and they don't say anything well then that just means that the agreement doesn't really exist does it so it's up to me but it's also up to the other person so i could say hey i'm just checking in is everything okay i know that you're a little bit late we have agreements for 8 p.m or even better if the person says hey i'm sorry i know that we had the agreement for 8pm traffic was terrible and i didn't want to text you while i'm driving you know wow. that's all you need to do it's 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 it could be feel trickier than it is but you know it's up to everybody and including the other person so if you're on a date with someone and you say hey i've got an agreement with my nesting partner that i'm home by 8 for the kids it's also really responsible for the per- for that third party to help you keep that agreement where all parties are involved and look out for the love trap what I mean by that is imagine an agreement that is you can have sex with other people but you can't fall in love with them now I understand like that that is a very legitimate want an agreement to have especially for people who are uh, newer to opening up and they do exist but it's really, really tricky. If you're going to be in a situation where you will be seeing someone on a regular basis and you're connecting and you're getting intimate and you're enjoying each other's company, some form of love is going to present itself. It's human nature. We are designed to connect to people. We're social creatures. It's just, it's just part of our wiring So that's actually a really tricky agreement to adhere to because there are so many forms of love and it doesn't have to only be sexual, it can be romantically, it can be um, emotionally, psychologically, you know, there's so many aspects to this. Um, If you do end up having a good connection with someone on multiple occasions, you are going to feel love for them. So it's it's a real tricky one, that one. There are some ways to get around it. If you if you do want to, so that's more polyamory, you know. So polyamory is multiple loving relationships. But perhaps if you're thinking about maybe I'm more of a swinger, you could have an agreement where we only see one person once, and that way it's minimizing the risk of uh, very strong connections forming. And don't get me wrong, you can have incredible connections just spending like one time with someone. But if if love is something that you feel that you're not ready to explore. Be very mindful about the agreements you put in place and why. I really hope that made sense. So the exercise is we are going to, in the workbook, you are going to imagine your ideal non-monogamous situation, just like that question in the steps to opening up, a magical space. Remember that, well, unicorns do exist in the non-monogamy world, but, uh, you know, everyone cares about the planet. Beer is free, it rains donuts, la, 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 it's the best universe ever. You've got your ideal non-monogamous situation happening right now. And then what you're going to do is imagining this ideal relationship model and world that you're in, raining donuts, awesome, is you're going to answer, you can do all of the um, examples in the workbook if you like, but I just want you to go through the first five minimum. They're in bold in the workbook. Just go through and just like have a look at like, hmm, does this agreement resonate with me? Is this something that I think could be a part of my dream non-monogamy model? Or does that, no, I don't really feel like that at all. Um, we have just, Roger and I have just written out a huge list of all types of relationship models. There's no, this isn't only for anarchists or polyamorists, so I don't, I don't think it will be possible for you to agree with everything. That's not our intention. This is a, a way for you to explore and see what might or might not work for you. Um, we've also included a very important agreement that uh, Roger and I have, which is never, ever watch an episode of a TV series that we are watching together without each other. That is top shelf gold standard, never break that agreement netflix stan doesn't matter the platform we never watch the agreed tv series without it without each other big deal right so um, we're about to finish and what i would also love for you to do and i'm going to post um post these questions on the screen so if you want to click pause when these questions come up so you're going to fill in the first five agreements or more if you like Just see what, you know, is interesting to you and then you're going to have a think about and a discussion with the person that you're with and you're going to answer these three questions. So which agreements seemed important to you? Do you have any differences between your ideal uh, relationship and your reality relationships and Are there any other agreements you thought of that you might like? Has going through that list kind of given you some ideas of like, ooh, I feel like this could work for me? And, again, it's all from a place of no judgment, compassion. We're just here to brainstorm and understand what might or might not work for each other. So to recap, I'm about to finish. I'm going to pop those three questions on the screen. So just click pause if you want to um, have them as a, a prompt for your discussions after. Go through the agreements, have a look, see what seems interesting to you. There's no right or wrong answer. Have a debrief and a chat with the person you're with and we'll see you on the next section. Bye.
0: Hey there, listener. I'd like to make you a little proposal. I love making this podcast for free because it helps me spread the word about sex positivity. But I could use your help in spreading the word just by sharing this episode if that's not too absurd. For every ten stories that you listen to, please recommend it to someone that might like it too. (laughs) This is not a real contract, for you got no say. I would if I could frame it some other way. And if sharing's not for you, that's fine. There's nothing to do. Please listen without guilt to this podcast I built. Next chapter, Jealousy. So, Tess, let's get jealous together. Um, you can <laughs> this, <laughs> You'll you get could, that later. <laughs> Tess couldn't get jealous if they tried. Um, uh, yeah, this, uh, this next section is uh, getting into our juicy deep dive on uh, jealousy. Um, I guess I want to start by acknowledging that jealousy is normal for most people, including people who are uh, very good at non-monogamy. I know we've said this before, but if you have jealousy, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you're not a good candidate for non-monogamy. Funny thing about jealousy is that, Um, Even if you were born as a not-jealous person, um, most of us have been exposed to so much training, um, by the way, of um, the the training we get through um, television, movies, books, um, popular culture, um, so much training about how relationships are meant to be uh, and that any form of, you know... basically just that you are meant to be a jealous person. It's it's such a crucial plot point of so many stories of our culture. So it'd be very hard not to be a jealous person um, in the world we live in. Um, We're not going to lie. There's no magic solution to jealousy, and nor are we promising you one. Um, However, we do have some ideas that uh, have been shown to be helpful, to pick apart jealousy a little bit more uh, and even get some useful, uh, positive information from your jealousy uh, rather than just having it uh, something that you grit your teeth and wish would go away. Um, maybe it's a little like, um, if I could do like a little bit of storytelling. Um, I have a background in counselling and psychology um, I also have suffered in the past from uh, depression or something like depression, and for a long time that was one of those things where I would just grit my teeth and hope that those periods would go away without really being able to do anything about it. Um, but I then cottoned on to the idea of leaning into my, gel- uh, uh, leaning into my depression uh, and just getting inquisitive about it and finding out like, why it's there, and um, yeah. And what's come out of that for me is I now know that uh, depression is the power that I need to get out of a bad job or a bad relationship or a bad house or something like that. Like, if I just try and grip my teeth through an experience, eventually I'll get depressed about it, uh, and that'll be the motivating force that I need. So, now that I know that, that's a much quicker process. The reason I tell that story is maybe that's a little bit like jealousy, in that if you lean in to your jealousy and inquire as to what it's about and why it's there and what it's trying to tell you, um, again, I don't want to overpromise or oversimplify, but I think you'll find that there are some interesting answers, answers there. Yes, May I see I? you have a question. May
1: I? <laughs> More of another share, I go, guess. Go. Um, like i really thank you for sharing by the way that was yeah um also sometimes when you talk about you know gritting your teeth and bearing with it and ignoring you know types of jealousy that can sometimes present in relationships as um temper tantrums um arguments ultimatums maybe like throwing things uh it, it think of it like a pressure cooker you know if 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 it will build if it's unaddressed, and so I guess look look for signs. Yeah, yeah. And that's just unhappiness in general, like you said. But yeah, yeah. Honestly, nice. can be pretty challenging. Yeah, I've heard.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> I don't want to like. Oh, I know all about it. No, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. go
0: right. <laughs> um. So if we lean into jealousy, um, it's generally going to tell us that something needs to change with ourselves, or something's going to need to change uh, in a relationship or relationships. Um, and so from there, it becomes a question of um, where, where's that change going to be, which is what we're going to be exploring for this next little while. Mm-hmm. So one way of thinking about this is with this handy little visualisation. <laughs> So let's imagine that there are, Greg, let's imagine that there are three people um, and in this case, this is you up the top there and um, this, this person here, person number two is your, let's say, main partner for the sake of this conversation and person number three down here um is someone that they're dating or having some kind of a thing with. Uh, so there's actually there's a couple of relationships here. There's there's your relationship with your main partner, and then there's their relationship, you know, even if that's not, you know, capital R relationship, just a fling or whatever, but it's their relationship with person number three. Um and when we're thinking about if, if you're at the top here feeling jealous. Um, uh, there's a question of, is there a problem here in this relationship, uh, with question number two, or are you concerned about something here in, in uh, this relationship between two and three, or is it something internal to you? And the, uh, an interesting way of looking at this, um, like a a good little like uh, thought experiment, is the idea that, um, in theory, um, potentially, any any one of these people could change their behaviour and it might uh, solve your jealousy. Um, So then it just becomes a question of um, where should that change happen? But, like, it's worth noting that the only person in this scenario that you have any agency or governance over is, of course, the one at the top, unfortunately. Um, So you've heard the phrase that, you know, you, you... Well, you you can't change other people. You can sort of, in this model, you can send a request down the line, like Mm -hmm. if you have concerns about the way that these two people are behaving that might be causing your jealousy, uh, you can send a request down and they, as independent free agents, uh, might or might not respond. Um, And so then you're just left with your responses to the situation and what's going on for you internally. Obviously, if something tricky is happening here, and these people are being stubbornly non-responsive. Then you'd want to consider whether this is a great relationship for you if your needs are being um, sort of like willfully ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I guess it's also worth reflecting a little. Like we're we're going to be teasing this apart a little bit in a moment with an exercise, but it's worth reflecting a little on whether your default is to go internal and blame yourself and spiral down and assume that everything's your fault and apologise and so forth, um, or whether your, your tendency is to look externally at other people. And I'm not saying that either of those approaches is right or wrong. Um, at various times, um, they're going to be uh, appropriate or otherwise. Um, But, yeah, it's good just to notice and also to go, well, maybe your default settings are not perfect all the time for all situations. Yeah. Um, So, Tess, we've got an exercise around Uh teasing this out. Um, Let's – how about we'll demonstrate it between us. Yeah. You can can talk me through it. Great. Um, And then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the theory and then we'll finish up with um, you doing the exercise. So um if, if you have a look in the workshop you'll be able to see In the workbook. Yes, yeah, thank you. Uh in the workbook uh for the emotional responsibility exercise. We'll put that page number on the screen. Um yeah, that's the one we're gonna be working through, so feel free to read along. Oh. Um, over to you that was all that was all about right, right? yeah yeah it made sense yeah great i got yeah i was in the correct language and yes. stuff
1: yes okay you did great. good did good Good. <laughs> okay the emotionally emotional responsibility exercise <laughs> mm. all right so please think of a situation where you have been jealous involving you a partner and someone else or and you know or you and a friend and someone else or a co-worker or a family member and someone else you know jealousy exists outside of romance as well um and it could be something historical something recent a while ago but it needs to be small mm. we're not here to pack down like a huge
0: <laughs> life-changing event sure um itty bitty <laughs> yep great you got one Yep.
1: can you please tell me what that is
0: um yes obviously anonymizing some of the details yes. Um it's uh, a situation where I was I, I had a, a like a kind of a main partner who I was um, very much the in loves with. Yeah. Um, and they had met someone new and that was a little bit of a new situation for them to be in. and I definitely noticed a, a change in them as they were going through a new relationship with um, someone else or something like that. Um, and yeah, I found myself jealous. Mm. Um, Great.
1: So looking at this model, Mm -hmm. which is Sue conveniently on this board, (laughs) uh, so if it was up to this third party to Mm. navigate and change around your jealousy, Mm. what would they do? What could they do?
0: Mm. Well, they could not exist. (laughs) Like they could just die. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we've all thought it. (laughs) You really don't get jealousy I just
1: don't. I just don't. Okay. Hence me being the one talking
0: you through this. (laughs) Yep. Uh, More seriously, they could um, show more awareness of my existence and Mm -hmm. and more awareness that this relationship exists. Like I think that they were sort of willfully just like not interested. It didn't serve them. Um, They could be more aware that coming into uh, the dynamic here, um, particularly coming in as a monogamous person uh, that, you know, that's that's going to cause some, some ruffles or whatever. Um, they could have, yeah, like like reached out and created some relationship there or, or even like done that through the intermediary. I mean, not that much. That's like very little of this to the extent that it's ever on anyone else. Um, not much of it's on, on this person in, in this scenario. Um, yeah, that's about it.
1: Yeah, great. Next is what if it were the responsibility of this person to navigate changes around their own <coughs> jealousy?
0: Hmm. Nice. Um, well, <laughs> uh, I was going to say they could go monogamous with me, but I, my head would explode. Um, even in the worst moments, I would never. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like,
0: yeah, wow. <laughs> um, okay, so they could have um, been more aware of their own Patterns around new relationship energy. So mm. I'm pretty sure that, like, I noticed a, a drop off in communication and interest and expressions of love and maybe sex um, mm. towards me. So this person could have been more aware of that and maybe done some compensation around that. Um, mm. They could have been more more clarity that they were aware that they were dating someone who is basically monogamous and that that brings some challenges and problems. Um, they also could have possibly um, brokered um, some connection between mm. all three of us. Yeah,
1: good
0: one. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think that's it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, uh, maybe not reacted defensively when I said, "Hey, I think you might be in new relationship energy." Yeah. <laughs> like when oh, I finally worked it out, and, and we're going to talk code. about that later. <laughs> ah.
1: <laughs> and lastly,
0: what if uh, your jealousy was your responsibility to navigate? Well, nothing, because like always, I'm innocent. <laughs> ah. Yeah, that's yeah, moving on. Um, yeah, no. What, what could have I done? <laughs> I could have realised earlier that um, I was feeling jealous because my my tendency to a degree is to hope that that goes away by itself. Mm. Uh, So I could have noticed a little earlier and um, brought it up a little earlier and if I'd done that it would have had a little less charge so it would have been an easier conversation here. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have done some inner work, more inner work on what's going on for me. What's, yep. uh, like, what am I bringing to this? Why am I feeling insecure? Um, which we're getting to bits of in a minute, by the way, we're going to head towards inner work. Um, I could have brokered some time with all three people mm. or like sent some messages. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, yeah. great. Awesome. I think that's everything. Mm.
1: And there and just the demonstration mm,
0: great so um, I would like to talk a little more about some of these ideas around where change can happen and then we're going to finish this uh, section with you um, doing this exercise uh, if you're in a position to do so uh, actually it's it's a it's an inner work exercise so you can just do that by yourself and if you happen to be doing this with uh, a friend or friends or partners or whatever then you can share the details on that. Um, so yeah, I would just like to expand a little on the idea of uh, like what it what it looks like um, at in these in these these various different spots. So, if you're exploring the idea, we'll do this backwards to the to the way we just did the exercise. But looking within yourself as to the sorts of things that might be going on within yourself to cause jealousy. Um, uh, we've done a bit of a study of the literature, which, I mean, Tess has done a study of the literature, <laughs> and I'll take some credit for it. Green <laughs> <Brain. laughs> uh, On what's going on. And you've found that um basically there's um, uh, f- five categories of um, jealousy that it's really useful to break down mm. uh, the jealous experience into, and we've added an additional one. So the five uh would appear to be something along the lines of the first one is envy so which is where you simply want something that someone else has and the grass seems to be greener somewhere else um, the second subcategory is insecurity or low self-esteem so if you're suffering from a lot of self-doubt or judgment or comparisons with other people where you're always the, the lesser uh, like so negative comparisons um then, yeah, that's all, like, insecurity and confidence issues. Um, possessiveness is a sense that something is yours, in this case a partner, uh, is yours and is not to be shared. And so that sort of relates to ideas of ownership and control um, and, again, like ties straight back into so much stuff around monogamy in the sense that mm. a married partner is a possession Yeah, and, uh, yeah, completely with contracts and everything.
1: Yeah. Totally sign a contract. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get us wrong. We're not anti-marriage. Yeah. Um, marriage can be amazing. I've but, tried it. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some elements um, that are uh, maybe not the healthiest. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, fourth one would be uh, uh, the sense of feeling excluded, so a sense that you've been left out um, and realising mm. that you want something too. So with that comes a sense of rejection, and, you know, like that's that's pretty common. Um, And then the fifth one is uh, fear. Um, So not necessarily a a problem with what's going on at the moment, but a fear of what's coming up in the future or rather what you're going to lose in the the future. So, you know, this will wind up in your partner leaving you or something like that. And we also feel that there's another category there, uh, which we're calling empty jealousy, which is where you're in a situation and thanks to all of that conditioning or the people around you, you feel like you probably should be jealous and you may even be acting like a jealous person, but actually you're just not. It's just like learned behaviours. Yeah. Do you want to?
1: Yeah, and there's also the flip of empty jealousy, which is something that I experience a lot, is um, people telling me that I should be jealous or that I should be behaving differently because another partner of mine is falling in love or they're going on more dates with someone else. And, um, and I, I feel that that comes from a space of, uh, people perhaps feeling some shame around their own jealousy, which is a human emotion. Um, because I don't really experience it. Uh, I think p- perhaps people try and Find ways to prove that I do, so they feel more normal. But essentially, I just feel like I'm being called a liar. And don't get me wrong; like I, I experience all human emotion, um, and I, you know, I definitely have the th- things I find difficult and more challenging around monogamy. It's just, mm. just not jealousy. But I think that that's a pattern, you know. But so when I say like oh, I don't really, I don't really experience jealousy, it comes in like, okay, well, we're going to talk about scenarios you've had in your past. And, and, and I'm going to break down how you were feeling and, mm. and try and find jealousy in that. So I think that's quite, yeah, empty mm. jealousy mm. in both ways. Fun. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> so sometimes I just pretend I'm jealous just because I don't want to feel like I've been called a liar, but then I'm myself being a liar. So it's just, ah. Right. <laughs> and the cycle continues. So that's
0: a little summary of um, things that might be going on within yourself um, if you're feeling jealous about situations. Um, Moving down the line here, looking at things that might be going on in your sort of relationship with your partner or or with your partner. Um, So as I mentioned in my example, perhaps if they've got a lack of awareness that they're in new relationship energy, so if they've just become totally besotted with this person and they're unaware that they are and they're unaware of their change in affection towards you, um, then, yep, you know, that'll, that'll trigger some jealousy. Um, if this relationship here, if the two of you have sort of fallen into a rut, and it doesn't even need to be a bad rut, like not necessarily a bad relationship, but just if it's become very predictable and comfortable, um so, like, you know, you've, you've got your standard TV shows, you've got your standard patterns with the kids and work or whatever else, and it's sort of same, same. There's, like, a beautiful comfort to that. But um, if something new and dramatic and interesting comes along, suddenly it can make your comfortable, safe, known, predictable relationship feel like it's um, mm-hmm. lacking in some ways, which it you know, may or may not be. Mm. Um, Another thing would be, uh, yeah, if your partner here, like if there's a sort of a problem in that relationship, like if your partner is not fronting up to the relationship or not really being present, or certainly if you've got a sense that they're not being honest, um, then, you know, that's going to king jealousy for a lot of people. Um, Or if they are just literally not treating you well uh, as a person, that's going to be a very complicated situation to be in. You're going to be both sort of jealous of this situation and also like, yeah, do I really want this person in my life? Uh, that's going to be all over the shop. Um, so, yeah, if there's any sense of, like, you might need to break up, then, yeah, that's going to ping. Um, yeah, so I think that's the things for, that might be going on there. And If you go all the way down to stuff that might be going on with the third party uh, that's sort of causing you uh, concerns, um, perhaps if they are not I- acknowledging that you exist, Um, especially if that happens over time Mm. Uh, if they are showing monogamous signals and you get that sense that they're just waiting the opportunity waiting for the opportunity to take your partner from you um, then you know it'd be understandable to have a few feels around that yeah um if they are knowingly breaking your agreements Um, Mm. that's going to piss you off. So say we've been using the example a lot of, you know, say you've got an agreement that a date needs to finish at like 11 o'clock or something like that. There's, you know, there's a child, the babysitter's only booked until 1130 or whatever. Um, if they know that agreement and then, you know, like 10 minutes before the hour is up or 10 minutes before 11, they like start engaging your partner in a whole bunch of play or whatever else or some other activity that means that they can't acknowledge your, their agreement with you, then, yeah, that's, that's going to bother you and that's on them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and also if, if this relationship here is not great, so if you've got questions about how this person is treating your partner, um, that's very hard to watch. Uh, so whether that presents to you as jealousy or frustration or anger, um, and it's a really difficult one, that one, yeah. because oftentimes even if you're not jealous, you, you say to this partner, hey, uh, I, I have concerns about this relationship. I want to to bring that up. Um, it's going to at first pass look like a jealous kind of a thing being dressed up as a concern. So uh, that can be a complicated one to talk through. But yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a a good point
0: yeah so um the idea here by the way is um we're going to invite you in just a second to do this exercise for yourself as we finish up um the idea i guess in reality is that it's it's very rarely a case of change being just one person's r- responsibility. But it's really useful for the purposes of this exercise just to, like, tease that out and treat them as completely separate things. Um, I know you've said before that, like, um, a potentially a great solution is actually, like, get everyone together. Um, this is and, why pubs um,
1: were invented. <laughs> yeah, right. Pints and poly.
0: Nice. Yes. Nice. Um, love it. And, and there's also an idea here around... Once you get this idea of separation and where responsibility for change happens and also bearing in mind that the only one you've really got agency over is yourself, it's also worth thinking about what happens when responsibility is pushed to somewhere it shouldn't be. Yeah. So say say this is me and I'm feeling really jealous about my relationship with you and I start putting inappropriate pressure on um, this person, like like I joked before, like I just want them to die, um, or you know, go away. Um, that's break, not, that's you should not break fair up. <laughs> on them if they've been doing nothing wrong. Yeah, if you've been not doing nothing yeah. wrong, if I'm just like suffering in terms of my own confidence or whatever else, yeah, it's inappropriate to push that down the line.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah, and being very mindful. That's why we broke down the jealousy because there it presents in many different ways, and being mindful of where it's coming from can really help the way that
0: you address it. Yeah, nice. Um, So I guess to the extent that you can make a formula about this stuff, like look at your own stuff first, and then if you've still got feelings after that, then Mm. bring things up.
1: Communicate, communicate, communicate.
0: Yeah, sounds like a plan. Um, So, yeah, we'll close this section here and we'll put the page uh, on the screen for the workbook and uh, have fun with that.
1: See you on the next.
0: Hope you enjoyed that content, folks. It was taken from the pre-recorded version of the workshop, Opening Up to Opening Up, and there's also an in-person version of that workshop in Melbourne on October the 31st. Links to both are in the show notes. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures. We work with the world in the areas of sexuality, self-development, and relationships. We achieve this by doing the following five things. One, we offer pre recorded workshops that you can watch at any time in the privacy of your home. Two, we run online live workshops. Three, we run in person workshops, mostly in Australia. Four, I offer counselling, specialising in the things you hear me talking about on this podcast. And five, We make our famous consent cards, which you can view for free online or purchase pretty cheaply. You can find out about all of these things at curiouscreatures.biz. The best way to stay in touch regarding workshops is to sign up to our free monthly mailing list. And we also have a forum for you to interact with other listeners of this podcast and the Curious Creatures community about all sorts of things go to forum.curiouscreatures.biz And lastly, if you can think of anyone else that might enjoy this episode, please share it with them. My name is Rog. You're awesome. This episode was mixed by Aman Dembler. And thanks for listening.